live A-C-U. from the ACU of Texas Studios. This is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Feminine Conversation. I'm Amy Gernot, your host, founder of Strong Soft Wild, programs for feminine embodiment. So glad to be back with you today. I hope you all are having a fabulous last week of January, if we can believe it or not, that we are into the very end of the month, the first month of 2020. So I've got a good show for you today. I'm actually going to be doing a little bit of the burnout continued. I did burnout a couple weeks ago. Um, Just kind of an introduction to it, what that is, what's kind of what's going on in the body and the nervous system. And then I led you through an exercise to start helping you work through some of the symptoms of it. Um, I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper today. And I'm also going to take you through another exercise for working with this because it is definitely the number one thing that I see in practice. And a lot of other practitioners will tell you they see the same thing. It's maybe manifesting in different ways, but we're all seeing this as kind of like the underlying theme and underlying thread for a lot of people's health conditions. So physical health, mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health. The underlying theme is burnout. And, uh, you know, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, busyness is so prized in our culture. We wear it like the, a badge of honor. So we ca- I call it the badge of busyness. I think I read that. It's not really mine. I think I read that a few years, a year or so ago um, in an article. And I thought it was so good and so pertinent to how we operate today, um, how we operate in the world, how we see things, how we approach things. And it's all from a standpoint of being really busy and really productive, that productivity is the most prized thing for us stillness and taking it easy is laziness and considered you know not acceptable at least not acceptable on a regular basis um and so what ends up happening is, is we don't sit still and then we're we're kind of forced to sit, sit still by our bodies becoming sick, by us, you know, starting to have symptoms, by disease setting in, you know, things along those lines. And that is kind of our first, our first clue that we need to take a break. The problem is, is we don't usually look at that as a clue. We sort of override it as a nuisance of, oh my gosh, I have to be down for a couple of days. I can't do X, Y, Z. I'm not going to be able to get to work. I can't do what I want at home. I can't go out, you know, whatever it is that's important to you. You're not able to do those things. And we consider being sick, a, you know, a really big inconvenience. And it's not fun being sick. I think I was telling you all that. I was sick for about 10 days um, right after Christmas, really, really sick with the flu, like the worst flu I've had in a decade where I just like my whole body hurt. Um, I had the fever and chills and back and forth and couldn't sleep and it was really miserable. But it was a really big sign to me that I was not resting enough. I was not getting into a rest state often enough. Um, so my body kind of put me down. Um, but then it also, there's, there's good things that come out of being sick because your body does clear things out, um, when your immune system is activated like that. So on the flip side, a lot of times you can feel a lot better after being sick for a little while. You may have noticed that. So I want to continue this conversation just because it is really important, especially at the beginning of the year when everybody's doing New Year's resolutions and we tend to be really, really active, you know, going full force, you know, into the gym or into whatever it is that your goals are for the year. And this time is still a time of stillness and a time of winter. And so we're acting a bit against nature when we go kind of, um, 
into the grind, so to speak, especially after the holiday, busy holiday season, lots going on from the end of October to the end of December. And instead of taking some time to allow some recovery and recuperation, we just bulldoze headlong into the new year thinking it's a new year. You know, we got to just, we got to get off on the right foot. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a judgment there. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. The problem is that's the main focus. And so we're doing that almost full time and we're not balancing it out by building in rest, building in times for self-care. And I'm going to go into a bit more about what self-care actually is, building in times where you have some downtime, some stillness. And this doesn't mean necessarily hours and hours and hours and days and days. And so I'm going to talk a bit more about what it means to actually find rest time how you can incorporate that into your life on a daily basis and the benefits of, of, of real disconnection um, from your life <laughs> as you know it, the busy part of your life and how to start building in some downtime so you're building in some more resilience. So this morning I was listening to a really good um video on Instagram by a woman that I follow who works with Divine Feminine also. And um, her name is Jessica, I think it's Bensock. I always I always want to pronounce it wrong. Um, but I think it's Jessica Bensock. Anyway, so she was talking a bit about this also. Of course, I see other practitioners talking about these things all of the time because it's such a big problem. Um, so she was talking about burnout and things that were going on in the body. And one of the interesting things she said that I hadn't actually really thought about but makes complete sense is... For those of us who um, maybe, and, and I'm not including myself actually, for those that are dealing with maybe a low output of dopamine, um, so dopamine is one of the neurotransmitters in our brain. Um, if you're dealing with a low amount of dopamine, so when the dopamine goes low, you can be kind of um, more um, hedging more towards depression. So if your do- if your dopamine is kind of constantly low. So if, if you have, maybe don't produce a lot of dopamine, and that could be from a genetic standpoint, that could be from the food that you're eating, um, how much movement you're doing. There's lots of reasons that dopamine can be low. Um, it could be from a stress event, from a trauma event, the lots of lots of reasons for dopamine being low. Um, if your dopamine is on the low side, just kind of naturally, depending on one of those things going on in your life, hormone imbalance too is also can be a precursor to that. Um, So if your dopamine is on the low side and you're kind of a little bit more hedged towards depression, um, productivity can actually be almost kind of like a drug. So it's almost like you need to keep being productive. You need to keep going. You need to constantly be engaged and on all of the time in order for the dopamine to continue being produced. It's like getting a hit of dopamine. So we, we, we hear the same thing like with um, social media. So if you're getting likes on social media, it's like a dopamine hit. And so what that does is that wires the brain and the reward centers in the brain to tell you that, oh, this is a good thing. This makes us feel really good. So you want to constantly be posting and then checking back to see if you're getting likes, because if that's happening, you're getting the dopamine hit. So it's raising your mood and you're feeling better, not in a healthy way, but it is happening. So we, we can see the same things happening in the productivity and burnout. So if you're constantly feeling like you need to be productive, um, it could be that there's a dopamine issue. And again, it could be from a number of different things. And so what's happening is you're using your productivity to kind of get a hit of dopamine. So you accomplish a task and you feel really good. So you want to get onto the next and the next and the next. And what can I do next so that I can keep feeling good and feeling accomplished? And there's nothing wrong with feeling accomplished after you, you know, 
meet a goal or finish a task. And so it is a good feeling. It is good. And there's, there's good things about that. So here's where you can start to recognize in yourself if this might be part of the problem. So for a healthy functioning brain with good dopamine, you know, output in multiple areas of life, um, when you finish a task, when you finish a task and accomplish something, you can feel really good about it, and then you can relax into it afterwards. You don't feel like you have to get into the next thing right away. Okay, so if you're feeling some of that. And if you don't get into the next task right away, if you have like a lull where you could be resting um, and you immediately have to go to social media, see if you've got likes on something, or you immediately have to get into a next task, a next assignment, a next project. And I'm talking jumping right into it, not giving yourself a little bit of downtime um, and more than just like going to grab a cup of coffee or taking your lunch break. I'm talking you need to get into it. And if you don't get into it, you know, fairly quickly, then you start to feel anxious. You start to feel some anxiety coming up and you start to feel maybe antsy or you can't sit still and you feel like you got to get up and do something. You've got to, you know, you got to move, you got to go. So if you're at home, you maybe can't sit still on the couch and just rest. Um, You feel like you have to go, oh, I need to go wipe the counters down or I need to go do the dishes right now. And it's not that those things don't need to be done, but the question is, Do they need to be done right this moment? And why is it that you can't sit still and you feel compelled to go and do it? Okay. So sometimes the underlying parts of burnout is actually some anxiety. And I was having a great conversation um, just yesterday with someone about what anxiety is and how it manifests. Because a lot of times we think of anxiety as being like a panic attack. So kind of the ex- on the extreme end. Um, but anxiety can actually be in the form of just feeling like a, a little discomfort when you're you know, not being able to sit still, having to get up and move and, and always kind of be doing something. So that can actually be a form of anxiety. Busyness, the constant busyness can be a form of anxiety. We were actually talking about procrastination, that procrastinating getting into something that feels maybe a bit overwhelming can actually be from anxiety. So there could be that kind of underlying thread there. And that could could be part of the, you know, the dopamine not being um, expressed properly or you're not having enough, you're not creating enough. And so you have to go into the next thing to raise the mood back up to the appropriate level so that you can keep going. Now, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, when you're in that mode all the time, your nervous system is in fight flight. And really it's in fight at this point. You're not trying to flee from something. You're kind of trying to fight. So you're, you have to be doing, you have to be going, you have to be in that kind of energy constantly in order for you to feel okay. And so if you start to come down off of that, especially when your body has really been wired to feeling that way, if you start to come down off of that, we'll call it a high because it kind of is a high. When you start to come down off of that, you start to feel really agitated and really uncomfortable. And part of that is the nervous system kind of setting off some alarm signals. Um, not really that it's not that they're bad alarm signals. It's start. It's just setting it off because of the way you've wired your thinking, wired your brain and wired your body to respond in a certain way to events and things that are happening. So your body almost starts to feel like something's wrong if you try to relax. I know that sounds totally crazy, but your body can actually respond in a in a fight or flight response to trying to rest, to trying to be still because it's so foreign. And again, 
You've wired yourself to operate in this mode all of the time. So it's so foreign to the body that it actually feels really uncomfortable and it can bring up some interesting symptoms. So again, you can have the anxiety coming in. You can feel really antsy and really anxious, or maybe you get brain fog. You can't think brain fatigue and you can't think really well. You can't interact. You're not able to plan or, you know, proceed into the next things that are going, you know, going on, or you start to feel emotional sitting still can start to bring up emotion it can bring up maybe it's anger or grief or maybe it's some you know some kind of underlying sadness or you know whatever it is um, it can start to bring up emotion and so what do we want to do we don't want to feel uncomfortable we don't want to feel bad so we're immediately going to go find some type of distraction in order for us not to go there so the distraction could be getting on to the next task doing the next thing so that you continue to feel productive um, it could be that you're you get on social media or you go find a you know some kind of a chore to do around the house so that you're not allowing yourself to get to that rest point where uncomfortable feelings uncomfortable symptoms uncomfortable thoughts uncomfortable emotions start to come up and I don't know if I've had the discussion on here or not yet about um, when those uncomfortable things come up, it's your body trying to tell you something. Um, it's trying to um, get you to pay attention. Actually, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. It's trying to get you to pay attention to something. Something's going on. It doesn't mean there's a physical ailment happening. It could just mean there's an emotion coming up. There's a thought pattern coming up. There's something coming up that your body is trying to get you to pay attention to. And Again, when it's uncomfortable, we want to immediately try to shut that down because we're kind of always, we're kind of taught really from a young age that being uncomfortable, being sad, that those, um, being angry, um, not those things are not appropriate. Like you think about as a child, if you were ever told to stop crying, you don't need to cry about that. Well, you might have needed to cry about that. Um, or don't don't get angry. It's not good to be angry. You know those type of things. So as as young children, a lot of times we're we're kind of taught to shut those things down because culturally, this is not a blame of your parents. Culturally, those things it's not acceptable to show that kind of emotion. The problem is then as a child you wire yourself to not feel that stuff, and so you find ways to self soothe so that you're not going into those emotions. So that could be being constantly active. That could be you know f- using food as a that's when we can kind of learn to use food as a self-soothe. So we're trying to soothe those emotions because we're not allowed to express them. We're going to find some way to do it. And, and as a child, it may be behavior issues. It may be throwing temper tantrums because all of that emotion is bottled up because we're told to not express it. So we have to try to suppress it down. And then it's, it's going to come out in some way because the nervous system's got to release it, that it can't sit inside there. And if it sits inside there, What happens is those emotions create density in the body because everything is energy. So emotions are energy, but everything about us is actually energy. If you get down to the molecular structure of us, we are energy at the core. Every atom energy is at the core. It's not mass. So emotions are also energy. So in the body, they start to build up. And if they start to build up, they become very dense. And density in the body creates stagnation, it creates lack of flow, and it creates disease. And so when we're talking about burnout and being constantly productive, part of what's going on is that we're, we're, we're doing kind of the same thing. We're building up and building up and building up and we're creating de- density. And so there's stagnation and a lack of flow. 
You may not feel this way because whatever it is that you're doing, you're being productive. But what what's really going on, so let's just say you're being productive at work. So whatever work is for you, you need to get onto the next task, all of these things. And maybe even when you go home, you're still working. On the weekends, you're still working, even to some degree. It doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it all the time, but you're you're going through emails or you're new, you're like, oh, some task pops up in your mind. And if you're able to access your work from home, you go and do it as opposed to just writing it down and leaving it for your next actual work day. And so the same thing is kind of happening there too. So you're building and building and building and you start to create density and it starts to block flow from other areas of your life. So it could block flow of finances. It could block flow of resources. It could block flow of love. It could block flow of connection because you're constantly in this productivity mode and all of your energy and all of your resources are going there and there's no replenishment happening. And so what's going to happen sooner or later is that you're going to have a crash and it looks different for everybody. So for some people, it's a physical thing. For some people, it's an emotional thing. Some people, it's a mental thing or spiritual crisis. Um, Something is going to happen. Now, depending on how much resilience you have in the first place depends on how long that's going to take to happen. So for some people, it takes years. Some people, it's like every other month there's some kind of a crisis going on because we're going from crisis back into productivity, from crisis back into productivity. And the crisis are looked at as just nuisances or frustrations as opposed to what they really are is is the alarm bells are screaming this, what you're doing is not working. What you're doing is actually harming you. What you're doing is 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 um, leading you in a direction for more problems down the line. And so we're blocking flow from other areas in our life. So you may start to see that there's relationship problems. There's maybe issues in the marriage. There's problems with your friends. Um, maybe, you know, finances. You're having a lot of money problems. Um So those areas are now being blocked because of that. So you're compounding so many different things in your life through the burnout process. So this is a totally different way of kind of talking and thinking about burnout because typically uh, typically most of what we talk about is how it affects the physical body, but it really affects so many areas of your life. And a lot of times this is, these are people who are high achievers, they're type A personalities more, more often. It, it affects everybody just depending on, you know, how, again, how much resilience you are and how, what your thought processes are and how you approach things in your world. But that, let's just kind of go with type A's and um, higher achievers um, for a minute. So they're putting all of their energy into whatever this this busyness is, this achievement thing is, and it starts to break down multiple areas of their life. And it can also be it can also actually be productivity can be a means of avoiding trauma as well. So when you're in this mode, this so the high achiever and trying to do all of the all the things. And, you know, thinking that productivity is your source of value. Oh, that's another, that might be a whole other episode, but let's, let's, let's hit on that real quick. So some of the underlying things for needing to be productive, as well as, you know, when we go to talking about the dopamine issue, which is a a bit of a different thing, um, but where is your value coming from? Do you only feel valued? Do you only feel worthy when you are being productive? Do you feel valued and worthy when you are in stillness? Or do you feel like you're being lazy or you're not good enough if you're not doing and doing and doing? Not being enough is a huge underlying factor for people. And a lot of times we don't realize that that's what's going on. 
So we're constantly trying to achieve and we're adding all of these things. We're checking off our boxes, you know, even in just in, let's say just life in general, where you got the house and you got the car and you got married and you got your kids and but you keep needing more and more and more. It's like, it's never enough. It's never enough for you. And it's not that those external things are never enough. It's that you are actually feeling like you are not enough. So you keep having to do all of the external things and you're adding more and more things on. You're adding more tasks on. You're saying yes to everything that comes up because you feel like if you don't, if you say no, then you are not enough. You have to be constantly busy. You have to be constantly involved so that you find your self-worth and you find your value. And those things can lead to burnout because we are constantly on and trying to fulfill the void that we're feeling from not being enough. And so that can be a whole other aspect of the burnout picture is where is your worth and where is your value coming from? And do you have to do these things in order to feel good? So let's kind of move into what's going on if you're not able to come into stillness. And this is a huge challenge for a lot of people. So if, if this is something that's hard for you and when people talk about meditation and you're like, um, hell no, I cannot sit and meditate. I My mind's all over the place. I'm uncomfortable, I'm antsy. That is a completely normal and very common response um, to trying to start a meditation practice or just sit and rest, not even meditate. Maybe sit down and you know read a book or just completely kind of shut down and sit down and just close your eyes for five minutes. Can be really uncomfortable for people. And again, when that happens, when you're used to being on all the time and you try to go into rest mode and your body is not accustomed to that, it freaks out a little bit. It makes you want to get up. It makes you feel anxiety. It makes you feel like there's something wrong or there's something wrong with you. And then you go down again, the shame spiral and the judgment spiral of I'm not good enough. I'm not being productive. I'm being lazy. You know, I'm just a piece of crap. You know, all of those things go through people's heads when they go through this process of trying to be still. And then it's like, I'm a failure. I can't meditate. I can't sit still. So then the whole failure thing comes up. And so you can see where the shame and judgment spiral just kind of start getting out of control when it comes to burnout, when it comes to just being still. And I totally get how frustrating it is um, because I have those moments myself where just sitting still is just, oh my gosh, sometimes it's like, I just can't do this. And sometimes I can't. And so I have to just get up and move. Maybe I'll put some music on and dance around instead of trying to sit still because my body's just not able to do it right then. And that's perfectly okay. Dance can actually be, you know, when it's for the body, it can actually be form of rest and self-care. So that's a great segue into talking about what self-care really is when it, let's kind of keep it with when it comes to burnout. So a lot of times we think of self-care as just going and getting, um, you know, manicures and pedicures or, you know, bubble baths and things like that. And those are part of self-care if those are um, things that you enjoy. Um, for me, taking a hot bath is a self-care thing for me because it'll it's something, it's like my body just switches off when I get into the tub and I just can, I can breathe out. And when you do that, when you breathe out, especially in that kind of, um, and making that kind of ha sound, it actually does trigger the nervous system to calm down. So it's, it's not just a, you know, that's why when you sigh and you make a sigh, that's actually the nervous system come, calming down and trying to come back to a rest point. So 
when it comes to self-care for burnout, it can be a little bit tricky because when, especially if you're in that high achiever mode and you're going, going, doing, doing all the time, you're saying yes to everything, you're not accustomed to saying no, um, it's uncomfortable for you to do that. That's another show where I'm going to go into owning your no today because that's a whole other conversation. Um, but when you're doing this all the time and you can't sit still, thinking about self-care is is it's almost like it's not an option. Again, we go back to the laziness thing and that's not being productive. The thing about it is, is it's actually extraordinarily productive. So if you're in the mindset of being productive creates value, being productive in your self-care is also gonna provide value for you as well because you're valuing yourself by doing these some of these practices. So for me, it's absolutely taking like taking a hot bath, especially if I've had a long day and a lot of things going on because it just, it's a reset for me. So it's not about, you know, just like, not always about like the luxuriousness of it. It's just like the warmth of the water does something for me. It just resets, it resets things for me. And I can, I can come to a rest point. My brain can, can relax and become quiet. And I'm talking like a bath, like no phone. Um, if you like some soft music, that's not really disruptive. That can be great. Candles can be great, you know, bath salts, whatever you like, it doesn't really make any difference, but definitely nothing that's going to take, going to make you distracted. So definitely no phone and no social media and things like that. I wouldn't even honestly recommend taking a book in you. It's, it's kind of time to just kind of sit. So that can be one, um, doing some form of dance can be another one because it's a movement of the body and that helps you process and you don't have to go out and dance. You can just do it in your house while you're doing the dishes even. Although I actually recommend not doing that because then you're being productive, doing something external and not doing something purely for yourself. So those things can actually absolutely be that. Another thing about self-care, especially when you're a high achiever and you're doing lots of things, you're saying yes to a lot of things and you're used to doing everything yourself. Um, and I absolutely have this issue myself is doing self-care by asking for help. So this is probably one that most people don't consider um, because again, we're looking at, again, the baths and going and getting a massage. And those things are very critical and very crucial because you're taking care of your body and that's going to allow um, your you to kind of hedge off any disease processes, things like that. It's going to give you a break because your body needs a break. But asking for help um, is really big. Because a lot of us who are in that mode all the time, we are people pleasers. I always, I call myself a recovering people pleaser, um, trying not to always make sure that everybody else is okay, but to kind of make sure that I'm okay first. Um, and part of that is asking for help. And I have a really hard, it's a really challenging thing for me to ask for help. I am, can be extraordinarily independent to a fault where I want to take care of everything for myself. And I don't allow other people to care for me. I was just having this conversation this morning. I don't allow other people to care for me. And if I don't allow other people to care for me, I'm actually not caring for myself. I'm going to say that again for those of you that that's resonating with because it feels like that just like dropped like a bomb for somebody. Um, If you don't allow other people to care for you, you are actually not caring for yourself. And here's the reason why. You can't do everything yourself. We're not even wired. We're not designed to do everything ourselves. We are actually designed to need each other, to rely on each other, to support each other. Um, and in the world of, you know, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm, I can do all things. I don't need, I don't need help. I don't need help from 
a man. I don't need help from other women. I am just strong, independent woman. It really has had the adverse effect. And we were actually talking about this yesterday as well. So it's actually having the adverse effect on us in that we are not allowing others to care for us because we don't think we, we don't think we need it. And there could be other underlying things there. We may not feel worthy of it. We may not feel we deserve it. Um, being cared for may have, um, some other connotation to it for you. So there could be multiple things going on, but part of the the thing for today and with the feminist movement, the, the direction that has gone is that we've put up walls saying we don't need anybody else. We don't, we can do everything ourselves. We've, we've got this um, and, and it's actually hurting us. So it's hurting us on multiple different levels. And I can't go into all of them today because it would literally take me an hour. <laughs> but it's hurting us on multiple different levels. I mean, it's hurting us in connection with other people who are wanting to care for us and we're not allowing them to care. For, we're not allowing them to do that for us. People want to care for you. People want to help you. But we have to be open and allowing and receiving that care in order for that to happen. We have to receive it. So being receptive is and being in that receipt what's called a receiving mode is part is the opposite of burnout it's the opposite of the achiever it's the opposite of doing all the time because doing in the doing mode we're constantly giving okay so in the other in the other mode if we're receiving we can't give and receive at the same time it's one or the other those are those are like opposing energies so again the the feminine is receiving the masculine is giving So this is where we bring in that feminine energy and get into receiving. And it is hugely challenging. I mean, think about, think about how easy it is for you to give to other people and how difficult it is for you to receive from other people. It's really hard for most of us to receive. And as women, we're always told that we need to be givers. We're the nurturers. And yes, we are. And we do want to give that energy, but we also need to receive in order to continue giving. You cannot you cannot give from an, you know, from an empty cup. You have to have your cup filled to overflowing because the overflow is for everybody else and the full cup is for you because you need that in order to replenish energy. So for us, when it comes to now replenishing that energy and taking this time, it's finding a practice because this will be a practice that works for you to start replenishing your energy where you're giving, giving, giving all the time. And again, it's going to feel uncomfortable when you first start this because your body's used to going all the time and being busy. So the idea even just like the thought process, the thought of you right now, if this is a thing for you of sitting still or just taking a few moments to breathe might actually feel it might create anxiety and that's that's so 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 common so don't there's nothing wrong with you it's just you're we're we're gonna have to practice rewiring you to a different set point so you're not on high all the time you can come back to a center line and you can bring the high up when you need it but you don't have to stay there all the time so This is a practice. This is something that you're going to have to do on a daily basis. And again, it's going to be uncomfortable. So it's finding moments every day where you can sit still um, as long as possible. It may only be a couple minutes at first. You may not be able to sit longer than a couple minutes at first. And that is completely fine. It's not about hitting some, like, I need to sit still for an hour. You do not. This is a couple minutes and you're building and building and building to where if you wanted to sit down for an hour and be quiet and still, you could, you could easily kind of flow into that. So we're, we're creating some flow. So in the practice, it's finding a few moments every day where you can be still. 
Okay. So that could be in the morning before you get going. And I don't, I don't actually recommend doing this while you're laying down, like in a sleeping position. Um, because it's not about going to sleep. It's about being able to rest yourself, get to a rest point during the day, during your activities, during your active parts of your day. So I don't, I would recommend not doing it like when you first wake up and, um, laying in bed still, because you're, you're, it's just a different mode. You're sending different signals. So do this at a point of the day where you're in kind of your activity or after you've gotten up in the morning and you've gone through kind of your morning routine or ritual, you might want to find a time then. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, build it in however it works for you. But you want to find a moment of just sitting still. If you can close your eyes, um, do that. Uh, for some people, that's uncomfortable to close their eyes. So if you can close your eyes, do that. If you're, if it's uncomfortable for you to close your eyes, I talked about this with the orienting a few weeks ago, just find a, find some kind of place for you to rest your eyes on and focus on it just so that you're not looking around and being distracted. Then you're just going to connect with your breath. That's, this is literally it for a couple of minutes. So maybe take five to 10 deep breaths from your belly. So you're going to inhale in through the nose and you're going to exhale out through the mouth. And if you're in a place where you can, because if you're at work, this, you may not feel really comfortable being like, ah, because people might start looking at you funny and it might be uncomfortable for you. Um, so if you can release your breath out like that with a high, like, ah, because again, that's going to send a signal to the nervous system to calm down. So you're going to inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth and do it five to 10 times. And, and so just start there. Don't worry about trying to start with a big, long meditation practice. And it's not always necessary, but if you can start with five to 10 minutes, um, or five to 10 breaths, whatever's best for you of just connecting with the breath, let your mind do whatever it's going to do because it's going to do what it's going to do, especially right off the bat. So don't try to control it. Just let the thoughts come up and just acknowledge them and let them keep, let them go do what they do. Um, and then if you get distracted by your thoughts, just come back to breathing again. Just keep it very, very simple. Don't make this overwhelming. Don't make this something else to be productive at. Don't make it a goal to, you know, something to check off your task list. We want to kind of reframe thinking about everything as being a task, everything being a goal, everything, something you need to accomplish to this is taking care of this body that you've been given to move through your life in. Okay. So this is self-care taking a few moments to breathe and practice stillness is taking care of yourself because you're the only one who can do that. No one else can actually take care of you at the start. You take care of your starting to take care of yourself allows you to receive cares care from others. So when I was talking about not being able to allow someone to care for you, start with caring for yourself by taking a few moments to breathe every day and realize you don't have to be on the task bandwagon. Now, well, I'll do another show on this kind of talking about how to kind of step yourself out of this, um, because that really is a whole other episode of talking about starting to come out of the, the road to burnout and how you can areas of your life to start evaluating. So maybe I'll do another show in two weeks on this. I'll do another show in two weeks on this. So We'll start talking about how to step out of this, how to start evaluating the areas of your life um, and asking questions. A lot of a lot of changing your mind and changing things that are going on in your life is 
starts by asking yourself questions about it. So I'll take you through a really good process. Um, yeah, we'll do that in a couple of weeks. I'll take you through a really good process of asking questions and how to listen for answers, um, how to be guided to answers, and then how to start incorporating those things. So you get off of the productivity cycle, the unhealthy productivity cycle, and into the healthy productivity cycle, which is self, which is really taking care of yourself first. So I'll do, yeah, I'll do that again in a couple of weeks. But for now, whatever's going on for you, if, if, if you're on that, if you're on the productivity train, we're going to start backing that off. So the way we start backing the train off, like if you're kind of just starting to press on the brakes a little bit is you, you can't just slam on the brakes and change everything. You have to do it, you know, kind of slowly. Otherwise what's going to happen? You know, if you're in a train, you got multiple cars, the cars, if you slam on the brakes really quick, all the cars are going to pile up and it's going to create a big mess, which is a crash. And that's not what we want. So we're going to gently start to press the brakes, um, so that the body, the nervous system can gently start to calm down. We don't need to force it. So this is a gentle process. So be gentle with yourself during this process. Don't try to, this is not about forcing and bulldozing. This is a complete opposite. And again, it's probably going to feel really weird because you're not used to doing that. But this is part of backing off of that, getting off of the cultural train that says we need to be doing this all of the time and build what you want your life to look like and how you want to feel in your life and start to rewiring the thought patterns and just, you know, discover what it is that you want. Um, and those are some of the things that will, those are some of the questions that we'll start asking, um, on the next show about burnout and how to start rewiring those things and building, a life that doesn't include these patterns anymore, these learned patterns of behavior and it, the cultural cultural conditioning that um, is sort of the foundation for some of these things to happen. So your challenge then, I shouldn't even say that. Oh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> now I'm giving you a challenge and I'm telling you to back off and then I'm challenging you. So your assignment, if you so choose, is to start the practice of breathing. And I know that sounds super simple. And like, how is that going to work? Just trust me that your body knows that, but your body's going to know the signal that you're trying to send it. And it's going to start working with you, but you do need to practice it on a daily basis or whenever you think about it through the day. This isn't something that you do it once and it just, it doesn't work. So you don't ever do it again. It's going to take some build up time. Just like you go, you built up to having a disease process. You built up to having, you know, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual crisis. You built up to that. It didn't happen overnight. We don't want this to happen overnight because your body is going to release that stored emotion, that stored trauma, that stored anxiety. It's going to release it as it's ready to. So you're almost kind of giving your body the signal that, okay, we're going to start building a safe zone for you to begin releasing that because the body needs the felt sense of safety in order to start releasing those traumas from within. And the burnout cycle and moving up to that is a trauma. So it's almost like little mini traumas building up to a big one. And we don't want you to get to the big one. So let's start backing that up. Let's just start applying the brakes little by little and start allowing the body to come to a rest point so that you can create the life, you can create flow in your in your life as opposed to all the stagnation and having to bolt those through. All right. So that's everything for you today. I would love to hear from you as always. So let me know how this process is going for you. You can 
leave a, a comment here on SoundCloud. You can go to the Modern Feminine Conversation Facebook page and let me know how these things are going for you. I always love hearing from you and hearing your comments. So let me know how this grows for you. And then we'll get back to this in a few weeks, talking about um, the different areas of, of your life to start evaluating to continue the process of moving out of burnout and into thriving. So I love you all. Have a great rest of the day and I will see you next week. Thank you.